Hi, Philmatics. Welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we have a very special guest. We are welcoming Bavan Karim. Let's welcome Bavan Karim to the show. He's an Iranian-American artist based in Los Angeles. He's also a writer, director, producer, and showrunner. And let's welcome to the show. Bavan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And uh, so, uh, Bavan, we're going to ask you this. Um, were you born in Iran? No, I was born here in the States, in New Mexico, of all places. I was raised in Texas. Oh, okay. Really wonderful. Wonderful. So you're born in Texas. Uh, <laughs> we love that. And um, I just want to let everyone know that's tuning in. Bavan is also the CEO of Lost Winds Entertainment and Sine. And you're the chairperson of Sine International Company. So, so excited to talk about all the wonderful films you're producing, including Gasoline Alley, led by Bruce Willis. And so I just want to ask you, Bavon, so when you were growing up, was there a favorite film of yours that you loved? Uh, you know, I had all of the words to Princess Bride memorized. So that was probably one of my favorites. And, and you know, that film did such a fantastic blending of fantasy and reality where you could have, you know, the sword fight scene and then in the middle of it, uh, Carrie always does a flip off of a bar that's obviously planted on the set for him to hang off of. And it, it just kind of continues with the rest of the story as if that never happened in your uh, disbelief remains suspended. You know, I, I love that movie. That that was a big inspiration. Oh, uh, the Princess Bride. That's a, uh, that's a favorite. Um, and you ha do you had all the words memorized? That's incredible. <laughs> I was a kid. <laughs> and do you have a favorite quote or a line? Can you still remember a line from the movie? <laughs> you know, I remember. Yeah, I remember so many lines from the movie. I remember, you know, inconceivable. I don't think you means what it's what I don't think that means what you think it means. You know, I remember uh, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Oh my gosh! Well, remember, I, pretty much if you watch the movie, I could quote it scene by scene as we went line by line. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not proud. <laughs> so so um. So that was one of your favorite films growing up. I love that. Um, you know, we have all, so many favorite movies. Uh, and then I'm going to ask you, you know, as you move on um, and you start watching these uh, favorite films like the Criterion movies, is there a master filmmaker that maybe inspired your work from the Criterion movies? Do you have a favorite? Uh, Ramin Barani is actually a, a friend of mine. When you, if you, if you want to talk about master filmmakers, you know he's he's an inspiration to me. And a few years ago, um, we met through the course of just professional networking. And he's offered me a lot of mentorship over the years, and I know uh, Man Push Cart was accepted into uh, the Criterion Collection, I believe at the end of 2019 or the beginning of 2020. It was before he was nominated for the Oscar for Paper Tiger. But I love Man Push Card. You know, it's a very authentic portrayal of the struggle of a, a Middle Eastern person trying to not only, you know, succeed in America, but really find their way in 
um, society that's kind of dominated by whiteness. And it doesn't need a white antagonist to drive the story. It's a story of brown people in New York City. And, you know, I love everything that's authentic about it. Oh, beautiful. Man Push Cart. Yeah. So that's a master filmmaker. Congratulations for, you know, to Roman for getting into the Criterion because that's what um, I think what movies are. Those films from Criterion, the, they had such um, deep meaning, like The Bicycle Thief and all those beautiful stories. They're just so moving and touching. And these days we just have like a sequel, 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 you know, um, CGI. So I think people love and are missing the meat and potato type of stories, you know? Well, I think that there's still room you know, four different types of stories. I agree that uh, we've we've been leaning toward superhero blockbusters the last decade. That's what's profitable. Um, and Criterion really doesn't <laughs> curate those types of films. But there is a middle ground for, um, you know, stories that bring in large audiences and, you know, they, they're profit-driven franchises yet they have artistic value and meaning. You know, I, I firmly believe that those are the films that I strive to make. It's just a matter of finding a unified audience. You know, audiences don't identify with all of the same things. So it's a matter of how do you appeal to the broadest base as possible with the most authentic story as possible. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So I do. So speaking of Criterion Films, do you have a favorite director that that is one that maybe inspired you as a director? You know, there, there are a handful and these are going to sound, you know, cliche, but of course, Scorsese and the way he cuts and tells stories. Amazing. You know, Tarantino and has a place in the modern zeitgeist, especially for people from my generation. I grew up with Pulp Fiction right, as a seminal story when I was graduating high school. That was one of my favorite films, you know, as a teenager, very influential on me. Um, and I love Brian De Palma's films, Scarface and Carlito's Way are two of my favorites, right? Um, stories of kind of rugged characters who were raised in the street trying to find their way in uh, more professional culture in, in the waking world. And I identify with that, definitely. Uh, one of my favorite directors, uh, you know, speaking of superhero films and blockbusters, is actually J.J. Watt, the director of the, the new Spider-Man franchise with Tom Holland. His film, Cop Car, is one of my favorites. I think masterfully directed, low-budget story of, you know, two kids, and it, it's completely, um, you know, you're Im immersed in the story and the way that the story is told, you know, the world is revealed over time and the characters even more so. And it's a great directorial debut for him, I thought. And I could see after watching that why they uh, selected him to direct the Spider-Man franchise. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me like um, a little bit of there. Well, on a different uh, I'm not scared. The Italian film where two boys meet and I'm not going to give away any of the plots because it's a very simple but yet moving story. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, I'm not scared. The Italian film. And also when you were talking about films that, um, you know, traditionally with different types of people, because I'm Italian, um, uh, the, the big animal. I don't know if you ever heard of the big animal. 
but <laughs> a couple makes unlikely friendship with a, an animal left from the circus, which is um, a camel. And um, it's just so those stories are just nothing like those incredible stories. But yeah, we all enjoy, you know, our Marvels or, you know, all of our Batmans. I just did a little animation of Batman myself on, on my kids' channel. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning to animate because I do kids' stories on my kids' podcast. And so I'm going, uh, they're like, can you put some something visual on your YouTube? I go, yeah, you need some money to do the animation, but I'll do them by hand. I've been hand drawing them. And I just did a little Batman fan art <laughs> film with my little characters. And so, um, so, uh, so, so yeah, Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino I had the good pleasure of meeting Quentin Tarantino with Paul, Ta Paul Thomas Anderson. Incredible. Now, um, do you use any of those techniques when you direct your films or how did you go about directing your films? You know, uh, the, the stories that I've directed, the short films that I've directed have, you know, been grounded in more of an organic type of um, filmmaking technique. And for example, the last short that um, I worked on with my partner, Noah Canavan was over Thanksgiving and, you know, it, it involved two uh, child actors and the story is about two little girls who steal their older brother's BB gun and go out into the woods and they're shooting at, you know, rocks and trees and innocuous things, but then they uh, shoot at a rabbit and they hit it. And then, you know, the tone of the film kind of changes and that the kids have found themselves now in a situation beyond their depth and then how do you deal with that and, and the regret that comes with it and something that was really interesting over the course of directing this um you know one of our actresses was 10 and the other was around seven and at that age that's quite a developmental difference so the 10 year old was able to pick up on our direction very smoothly and understand all of the cues and this but the seven-year-old struggled to you know put herself aside and get into character the way that's required for any actor she was smiling the whole time even when the scenes were serious and it's you know she's a kid you love to see that but it doesn't fit for the, the story that we wanted to tell so then what i did was i started speaking to her in farsi in her native tongue she's persian so once i did that um, she understood the cues much better and was able to break into character and really deliver a good performance for our scenes. And, you know, upon reflecting on it, Noah and I, neither of us were certain why that worked. <laughs> you know, um, you experiment and you try different things and sometimes you're successful, sometimes you're not. What, what I believe is that because her father speaks to her in Farsi, she views that as the voice of authority and that's when it's time to get serious but when she heard the director giving her instructions in farsi then right it was able to bring out the best performance but um that's been you know my most recent experience directing since 2019 um with cine we've been really focused on uh, producing films and kind of establishing ourselves as presence in hollywood so it's been um, less of an emphasis on what I'm doing artistically and more on the value that our company can provide to, you know, our networks and stakeholders in the industry. That's amazing. 
So you're growing up in Texas. Princess Bride is one of your favorites. And then you start seeing movies like, uh, you know, Scarface and um, Al Pacino. So how do you get from Texas to Los Angeles? Can you share with us your journey? I uh, was actually taken under the wing of a very well-known gaffer by the name of uh, Tony McConich. Uh, he's a graduate of SMU, my alma mater. And while I was a student, he came to visit campus and talk about his work, and I kept in touch with him. And upon graduating, you know, I moved to Los Angeles. I was living in my car and uh, begging Tony to take me on set with him. And I think he understood that I was going to continue to suffer <laughs> until I, I had a break. So he offered me one of my first opportunities. It was on the set of uh, Nicholas Winding Refn's Drive, starring Ryan Gosling and uh, the uh, the DP was um, Newton Thomas Siegel, if I recall correctly. And so I was able to make some small contributions to that film and, and that helped me start to get the hours that were required to you know continue to work in the industry at the same time um, my professors when i was a graduate student had been telling me that i should look into teaching so i've kept one foot firmly in the entertainment business and the other in academia since 2011 um, i've been teaching most recently i was at uh, emerson college in boston so my my journey has been you know dallas los angeles cincinnati boston and now um, then San Diego briefly during the pandemic and now Los Angeles. Wonderful. So, so thank goodness for people who, who, you know, you're able to reach out and ask for mentorship because sometimes, you know, I think having that connection, he came to your class and you had that connection, that one-on-one -on -one because you kind of cold call people, Hey, can you be my mentor? They're kind of like, you know, cause everyone says, Oh, just ask people. They love helping. But you know, in reality, I think, you know, COVID is kind of, you have to reach out to people like the like cold calling people like you might be my mentor and um i've interviewed like almost over a hundred people in their business and which is probably you know it's nice but um seems like a lot of people have gotten that like help up the ladder and so we're kind of just trying to find more mentors for women because we're finding the women have been little you know just it, it would be nice to get those mentorships and 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 they always are asking for young, but like most people that are working in their craft haven't had that break are getting older and older and they're looking for that break. They're looking for that mentor. So we're, you know, we're always welcoming anybody that wants to mentor, whether it's male or female, but in particular, old, maybe older people, artists, older women, just because the younger people always, there's always scholarships. There's always an opening for, for, there's lots of ways for them to get in. But that's wonderful that this gaffer, can you repeat his name? Because I want everyone to hear what a wonderful person he is again. Because sometimes recording the audio can be a little low. Can you repeat his name? His name is Anthony Nikonich. Anthony Nikonich. And, uh, his credits are, include the original X-Men series from the early 2000s, uh, Rock of Ages, the uh, underwater film starring Kristen Stewart. Um, he, he's had a great career. Oh, it's amazing. So you, so you get on, are you get on the set and, um, were you gaffering or were you doing other things? Like how did you start, um, you know, getting towards your goal of writing, directing, producing from there? Well, uh, essentially I was a assistant 
and my my career arced toward the direction of being a lighting technician and a lighting designer. Um, I will, I definitely have always wanted to direct, but you know there is a um, you have to pay your dues. There's a hierarchy and a process to go through to reach that. So I wanted the experience of working on big budget projects and major motion pictures, but at the same time, I've always been trying to develop my own craft as a director and have a slate of films that are on my own. And that has really benefited me where I am now um, because it's been 10 years you know, steadily that I've progressed. And if I had stayed on the technical side, my career would not be as advanced um, as far as networking and, and producing and directing the things that I've been able to do. So it, you know, it started in, in one area, but it's grown. And, you know, just to, to go back and touch briefly on what you mentioned regarding mentorship, I mean, um, I think reaching out and asking people for help is fine. And uh, I know a lot of people who, a lot of my colleagues who have been successful that way, just cold calling. I had a colleague at Emerson named Hassan Ildari, and he, you know one of his stories that he enjoyed telling was, upon graduating, uh, he moved to LA, couldn't find anything, went all the way back to New York, and upon arriving in New York, received a message from the director, Arthur Hiller, who told him, hey, I, I got your note, I'd love to take you on as an assistant, and then he drove all the way back to Los Angeles and spent the next 20 years in Los Angeles. And all he had done was, you know, looked up people in the production directories and sent them notes and introduced himself. I agree that it's much harder as you get older to find the mentorship that you need. Um, I, I think it's always important to examine what you're bringing to the table for the people that you're asking for help, because it can't be a one-sided relationship. So, for all artists out there, young and old, I think it's important to continue to develop your work. Continue to ask yourself, what is my voice? And create works that are authentic to that voice. So that once the opportunity for mentorship arrives, you're not presenting yourself purely as someone who's in need, but you're presenting yourself as someone who offers a lot in terms of the partnership and the networking and brings a lot of value to the table creatively so that whoever you're reaching up for to for help um, has some incentive to take you on that's what i've always tried to do and again it's it comes from not being satisfied with the position that you're given and continuing to have a vision for where you want to be in five years and developing content that's going to try to get you there that's wonderful. So you got this uh, wonderful break um, from this beautiful gapper of the original X-Men. So um, so then can you share with us your journey um, to forming, you know, become the chairman of your company and um, your new uh, production company? Can you share with us a little bit about that? Um, it, you know, my my first actual production that I created and sold was a television show. Back in 2011, I was a, an intern at a radio station, and our radio host had an idea for a TV segment about organic gardening and organic lifestyles. So the video product was something I understood how to create, so we did it. 
and we ended up selling it to Fox, and they ran this little segment with the the six five thirty six a.m. morning news, right? Um, and then after television, I worked on my first films. From there, I moved to Cincinnati and created some original television programs as uh, the director of Norse Media, which is Northern Kentucky University's uh, television station. So they have a public access channel. Um, we created a bunch of shows, kind of like the movie UHF with Weird Al. And if you remember that one, that, that's kind of what we did. And we won some awards. We had a great time. And I really look back on that period of my career as you know, a really simple and fun and blessed time when I had a lot of creative freedom to do what I want. Um, I, I lived across from the studio. I had the keys to the equipment cage, had an army of young and talented filmmakers that I could hire to, you know, be my crew and my staff and my actors. It was amazing. Um, and during that time, I got the first offers for commercial work, which were, um, First, for the, the Christ College of Nursing and Health Sciences, we shot some commercials for them. And then SEC Networks approached me to uh, create a can, uh, an advertising campaign for them. And from there, it kind of blossomed. I continued to take commercial jobs through 2019, was still uh, creating uh, advertising campaigns. And I've done a few, um, did a fun web campaign for Old Spice did a really uh, meaningful campaign for Powerade and another campaign for Duralast, both of which are meant to appeal to the modern spirit of the times and young people, and they're issue-oriented, right? And, and that appeals to my specialty in, in visual storytelling and whatever the, the final message is, trying to convey that message in a cinematic way. So even the ads that I've created, they're you know, short films. And, and all of those are available on, on our site for anyone who wants to go in and check those out. Um, and then so in, in 2013, I kind of burned out from all the work that I had been doing. And, and I left Northern Kentucky University and I sold all of my possessions and went to Jamaica. And I thought that I wasn't going to return to society. <laughs> Jamaica, yeah, uh, but that was that we we actually we shot a short documentary while we were there about you know some Jamaican youth who were who were trying to achieve their dreams and um, but that lifestyle of traveling around and, and you know living off the earth it wasn't really sustainable. I contracted chikungunya virus and I lo I lost something like you know forty pounds and then I had to come home. Oh my gosh, so the grass it was, it was, is always greener until you go there, right? Oh my, that's all my you got sick. Oh my gosh. But that was, you know, that was an amazing experience. I, uh, I learned to, you know, live, uh, basically, I learned from the Maroons, the indigenous, um, the indigenous people of Jamaica who live close to the earth. You know, they do everything with a machete. They build their shelter with it cook their food with it, brush their teeth with it. And uh, the Rastafarians who don't slaughter live an organic, natural lifestyle, um, very sustainable, you know, so that's what appealed to me. Um, and, and I learned a lot during that process. Then I came back 
and and I was determined again to find um, find work. And Emerson hired me to direct their studio television program, and that was a position that I couldn't turn down. Um, even though Boston, moving to Boston, was a significant shift, and you know. I, I would have preferred to move to Los Angeles, but they don't hand out those tenure track teaching jobs. And uh, Boston or Emerson is a is a top five film school basically, and, and Boston is an amazing city. So um, I was there for five years and uh, created uh, managed the WGBH partnership for Emerson, which involved the production of a TV show called Sing That Theme. So in addition to teaching, you know, we would take students to WGBH studios and participate in the creation of, of this show. It was around 2019 when I created Cine. Uh, I reached the point where I was going to en enter the, the tenure process at Emerson and I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay in Boston. So when the time came to decide, you know, did I want to spend the next 30 years there? The answer in my heart was no. And, you know, shifted my um, production more toward writing and development and producing and built my networks into um, the, this, this basically what's a think tank of executives who specialize in financing, development, production, so now, um, depending on what our clients need, if you need to raise money, if you need to find writers, if you need crew or production staff, if you need a post-production house distribution, through our networks, we can provide a variety of services. And, and that's how we've been able to sustain um, since the pandemic. And then in, since 2020, we've really thrived. Oh, well, that's really great. So. Um... Can you share with us, like, if somebody wanted to use your services, oh, oh, where do they go? Can you repeat your um uh, your website? I'll have it in the summary as well, everyone who's listening. Yeah, it's cineg.com. Uh, it's Cine International Companies. So our website is cineic.com, and you know you can contact us there. And right now, because uh, we. You know, we are taught our development is tied up in the production of these four films, which are slated uh, to begin premiering in February. We are not currently accepting pitches for development for our 2022 slate, but after February, we will again be accepting um, pitches for development. So, for any writers, producers, directors who um, you know want to share their projects with us in, in hopes of creating a film. February is the time to approach us. Yeah, and um, and so uh, can we just share a little bit of the um, your film slate includes Gasoline Alley, led by Bruce Willis, and mm -hmm. Blackout, starring Josh Duhamel and Abby Cornish. So mm -hmm. just um, that's amazing lineup that you have there. And anything else you want to share with our audience? Um, before we're actually filming before Thanksgiving, but you'll probably air like probably um, you know, next year. So just wishing everyone a happy New Year. The other two films on our slate are Slayers, um, led by Abigail Breslin and Thomas Jane, and Saturday at the Starlight, which also stars Abigail Breslin and Denise Richards. That's more of an ensemble. Oh, like, those, you know, 
for you know diverse and different and really fun films um, intended for different audiences, but they're all going to be theatrical or streaming. So we're really excited. That's amazing. Uh, so I just want to just let everyone know once again, this is Bavan Karim, Iranian American artist based in Los Angeles. He's the chairperson of Sine International, and he's also CEO of Lost Ones Entertainment. Check out his website for um, his amazing flates, uh, slate of films and check those out, Sine.com. Uh, Bavan, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Just, uh, just so looking forward to your films. They sound incredible. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, happy Thanksgiving to those of us who are recording, but we want to wish everyone a happy new year because when this comes out, it's going to be in the new year. <laughs> so thank you so much. Thank you for listening, everyone. Have a great week.